Go ahead and have a seat this morning. All right, well, if you didn't hear Phil's disclaimer here this morning, uh, we're starting a series called uh, Did Jesus Have to Say? And, and what we're going to do in this series is look at some, uh, some tough sayings, some things that, uh, you know, we probably wish we could get Jesus just to, to take back, right? Uh, and this morning, uh, if you haven't looked at your handout yet, the content of what we're going to talk about uh, it has to do with sexuality. And uh, so parents just want to give you that word up front, uh, or grandparents. So if, if you'd rather have your kids, your young people back in kids' camp, uh, that's great, fantastic. That's why it's there. Uh, so I encourage you to go ahead and, and uh, do that here, uh, do that this time. And if you want them here, that's up to you. But uh, you deal with the outcome, okay? I just want you to know. All right. Well, uh, today uh, we're starting the series. And again, we're going to look at some things that, that Jesus said that I think uh, for, for many of us, that we just like, oh, oh, gosh, did he have to go that far? And uh, today we start in uh, Matthew 5. Uh, and it's, it's right here, Matthew 5. And it's Jesus taking one of the commandments and, uh, and going further uh, on the commandment. And uh, we touched on this, if you remember, in the last series we did about Perfect Ten. Uh, but today we're, this is an important one for us to go a little bit further on and and give you an example of what I'm talking about here about, geez, why, why do you have to go further? Is You just look at this and he says, well, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. And it'd be really nice, easy for us, if, if Jesus would just kind of stop right there. And, and we could say, okay, got it, good, fine, wonderful, I get it. Follow the law, just don't do that, right, kind of thing. But that's not what he did. Instead, he went, away, went ahead and he rolled out some more words for us, right? But I say to you that everyone who so much as looks at a woman with evil desires for her has already committed adultery with her uh, in his heart. We're going to unpack the rest here later. But, but, you know, it's just like, man, couldn't he just kind of stop at the first part? You know, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be a lot more comfortable for us if he just kind of stopped there at that first part where all we had to do was say, well, I, listen, all we got to do is just live by the letter of the law and that would be good enough for us. Uh, but instead... He says uh, even more. And, and what he says is, is really not only important for us, but this is difficult stuff. This is really day-to-day uh, difficult stuff. And some of you may sit here this morning and say, well, not only why did Jesus have to say that, but why, why do we have to talk about it here at Christ Church? Why, why do we have to spend a time of, of worship uh, talking about you know, this particular subject? Well, uh, let me give you two answers for that. Uh, one is because, well, you know what? Christ Church is absolutely committed to, to uh, bringing the word into your life in a relevant way. And, and so we're always going to talk about those topics and those realities that you have to deal with in your life as a, as a follower of Christ. And, and so we're not going to shy away from the hard things. And so we need to talk about it because, hey, this is just a reality of life, right? And, and Christ followers got to come to grips with this kind of hard saying uh, in their life, what the call is on their life for this, right? Uh, And secondarily, we're going to talk about it because it just simply is a pervasive reality uh, in our culture. Let me kind of prove that to you. Uh, So does anybody know who this is? Sure, right? And and, uh, when it comes Super Bowl and a halftime, what commercial do most of the people wait, wait to watch for? It's not the old Michael Jordan commercials with, with uh, Bugs Bunny anymore, right? It's the GoDaddy commercial, right? I mean, it, it's pervasive, right? 
And, you know, ladies, we have one for you as well. Right? Now, I'm not sure. In fact, I can make a personal testimony on this, that, that ladies, if your husband takes this Old Spice stuff and rubs it under his armpits, it doesn't give abs like that. Okay? <laughs> Proof. Okay? doesn't work that way. All right? But, you know, I'm not sure what abs like that has to do with rubbing this stuff under your armpits, right? But nevertheless, it, it is a way that our culture chooses to get in our face about these products, right? And it's, and it's all geared around sexuality and understanding the role of, of sexuality. Uh, one more. Why is it in our culture that pictures of one woman can have such international significance? Some guy has a long lens, and he takes some pictures, and the next thing you know, the whole world is engaged in a conversation about Kate's pictures. What's up with that? And here's an even tougher reality. This one hits home because it's right here in our country. Every 30 minutes in the United States of America, a porn film is being made. 42.7% of all Internet users spend time viewing porn online. And this one blows me away. The porn industry is worth, earns $13 billion a year. That's more than the combined revenue of Google, Microsoft, Amazon, eBay, Yahoo, Apple, Earthlink, and Netflix. Is that awesome or what? See, that's why we've got to talk about it. Because our culture is just pervasive with this, this understanding of sexuality that is contrary to, to God's design. And, and we live out there in that culture. We, we have to be Christ followers out there in the midst of the sea of this reality that's bombarding us all the time. And, and what God puts on our life, what Christ puts on our life, is a call on our life to say, hey, your life is worth more than that. Your life's worth more than that. That, that you are called to live a life that elevates higher than that. That, that, that your life is about something bigger, about something greater, about something eternally valuable. And, and if it's about something eternally valuable, it means you and I as Christ followers need to understand, okay, what is it that God wants in our life around this arena of day-to-day -day practicing of our sexuality? And, and how do we build those hedges around ourselves to make sure that we stay in the right place, that we stay in the place that God wants us to stay. Matthew 5, before Jesus said the words, you know, about adultery, before those words, he has this statement where he says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness, your uprightness, and your right standing with God is more than that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. See, he won't settle for us to live just law-oriented lives. He won't settle for us to just live those lives that are just kind of, the, well, okay, I didn't commit adultery lives. I mean, you get, he wants more for us. He wants our lives to be higher than that. He, he wants our lives to elevate beyond that. And, and because he's got so much more in store for us and so much more that he can bring into our lives, he wants to make sure that we have a proper, right, righteous understanding of his design around sexuality and how we live that to impact the world so that we don't give in to the world, but that we start changing the world for the cause of Christ by doing it His way. You with me? 
How's it start? You need to understand how these things work, okay? First of all, it's just this simple formula, mind plus feelings equal actions, right? Jesus starts out by saying, you have heard that it was said you should not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who so much as looks at a woman with evil desire for her has already committed adultery with her uh, in his heart. Now, let's, from the beginning, make an agreement, ladies. Uh, this is non-gender specific, right? This cuts both ways. You, you with me on that? Yeah, remember the guy with the abs? Okay, so it cuts both ways, all right? So even though it's a lot of him language today, it's, it's speaking to all of us as, as Christ followers, right? So let's, let's look at this and let's ask the question, okay, so what is he really getting to here? What seems to be uh, the core? Well, if you look at the words, the core seems to be, it's, it's about so much as looks at a woman with evil desire. So, so the idea somehow is that what should be appropriate desire gets turned into evil desire. And, and so there must be a place where we can express appropriate desire, Right? There must be a place where we can express appropriate desire, but the trouble for us is there's a lot of temptation out there for us to get sucked into expressing evil desire. So it's, it's okay for us to admire beauty, to appreciate handsomeness, but it seems to be that when we go beyond the simple, hey, really pretty or really nice, really handsome, when, when somehow we go beyond that and it turns into evil desire, that, that we go into that place that's no longer about just saying, well, what a, what a pretty, pretty uh, woman or what a handsome man. We go into the place where we devalue that person. And we start seeing them not as a valuable creation of God, but, but as a person that we can now use in an object that we take into our fantasy world. You see, we move beyond just appreciating the person to somehow abusing the person in our own minds. And it starts in our minds. And we start dwelling on it. See, now remember, it's about evil desires. There is appropriate desires, and there's a place for appropriate desires. We can see that back in Genesis when God created uh, Adam and Eve, right? And this is the experience when God created Eve. And said, so the Lord God made a woman, and he made her from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to him. And the man said, her bones have come from my bones. Her body has come from my body. She will be named woman because she was taken out of man. That's why a man will leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two will become one. The man and his wife were both naked, and they didn't feel any shame. Now, I could translate that really fast. If you want to hear my translation of that. So Eve comes, man's there, they're both naked, they look at each other, and I think there's kind of a simultaneous look that says, Booyah! Amen? You know? Or a, whoa, yeah, 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 yeah. You get where I'm coming from on that? That's good desire. That's good stuff. Husbands and wives, you haven't tried that, lady? What are you doing this afternoon? <laughs> oh, this is good stuff. This is God desire. This is healthy stuff. In the relationship and the confines of the bond and the commitment and the covenant of marriage. God is like totally good with this stuff, right? In fact... He even says to Adam and Eve, after the booyah, he says, hey, God blessed them, and he said, have children. Increase in your numbers. There's only one way that happens. He's good with it. He's good with appropriate desire within the relationship of the covenant of marriage. What's the problem for us? The problem is when that desire moves out of the covenant of marriage. And then it becomes evil desire. 
When we start setting our mind on somebody else who isn't in the covenant marriage with us, whether we're married people or single people, when we set our mind on somebody else and, and we're not in that experience of the covenant relationship of marriage, that's when we get into trouble, when our mind moves. James says, But your own evil longings tempt you. They lead you on and drag you away. When they are allowed to grow, they give birth to sin. When sin has grown up, it gives birth to death. What's the formula? It starts in your mind. And when you let your mind dwell on that other person, it moves to your feelings. And you start creating feelings around the fantasies of who that other person is, even though that's not real. And it goes from your mind and it goes to your feelings. And ultimately, as you go down that road, it's going to lead you down that track. It's going to lead you to actions. It's, it's like a freight train, right? It's kind of hard to get a freight train going. But once that baby gets going, it's also hard to stop it, right? And, and that's the way it is with us. Once we get our minds in that place and we get focusing on that person, and it just keeps evolving, evolving, and evolving until somehow we feel like we're trapped. You see, that's the evil desire stuff. That's the evil desire stuff. And so the warning for us is, wait a minute, you've you got to be able to step back in your life and look at where are you putting your mind? Where are you putting your feelings? It, give you an example in a, in a practical way of the way that works. Why do you suppose car salesmen want to get you to drive the car? They want to get you in the car and test drive the car. I mean, you know why they want you, they want you to do that, right? Because you've already got it in your mind that you're kind of interested in the car. But if they can get you in the car, now you start feeling the car. Ah, new car smell. That's good. Right? You start feeling nice, tight steering. I like that. Right? And you move from in your mind, this, is, this seems good, to in your feelings being absolutely convinced, yeah, this is good, which will lead you ultimately to your action and what do you end up doing? Yeah, you take out a loan and you buy a car. Right? I mean, that's the way it works, right? That's the formula that it works. So we've got to ask ourselves the question, and, and as Jesus says this, he, he's trying to give us the elevated life, and, and so we've got to say, now listen, if this is the reality, we understand how this works for me, now what do we got to do in our lives as Christ followers to make sure we live an elevated life when it comes to our sexuality and relating to people of the opposite sex? In the text, let's make some observations. The first one would be, it seems you've got to safeguard your sight. You've got to safeguard your sight. He says, if your right eye serves as a trap to ensnare you or is an occasion for you to stumble in sin, pluck it out and throw it away. It is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be cast into hell. Now, quite obviously we know in this example and the next one, Jesus is not literally encouraging us to pluck our eye out. He's making a dramatic statement, an emphatic statement to show us the importance of this, right? But the importance of it is that we get the principle that we just need to safeguard our sight, that, that we need to safeguard our eyes. We need to make sure we safeguard where we're looking, where we're focusing, where, where is our attention being directed. Now, now, to show you how this works, how important this is, all you have to do is go to 2 Samuel 11 and look at the experience of David. Okay? So it's evening. David got up, couldn't sleep, got up from his bed. He walked around on the roof of his palace. From the roof, what happened? He saw, you can say the word, he 
saw eye stuff, right? He saw, he saw a woman taking a bath. She was very beautiful. Took that in. David sent a messenger to find out who she was. The messenger returned and said, well, she's Bathsheba. She's the daughter of Elam. She's the wife of Uriah. He's a Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him. He had sex with her. Then she went back home. Why not stand? But what happened? What's the process? David did not safeguard his eyes. He was on the roof. Couldn't sleep. He looks out. He sees Bathsheba, a beautiful woman taking a bath. And what does he do? I'm not moving. I'm staying and taking it in. Right? What didn't he do? He didn't safeguard his eyes. He didn't safeguard his eyes. He's on the roof. What do you want David to do, Christ follower? You want him to be on the roof and say, Whoa, beautiful. Goodbye. Right? Warm milk inside. Go for that. That's what he needed to do, wasn't it? Do you imagine if David would have turned around in that moment, if he would have turned around and gone back in and got the warm milk, can you imagine the pain that he would have avoided in his life? Look what happens to him. He follows his eyes, and then he starts inquiring, who is this person? And even though he discovers that she's the wife of Uriah, he follows his eyes, and he follows his mind, and he follows his feelings, and he turns it into actions. And that leads him to becoming a murderer, and that leads him to all the other problems that went with it. The word is safeguard your eyes. You've got to safeguard your eyes. You just got to make that covenant that Job makes in Job 31. Job says, I made a, an agreement with my eyes. I promised not to look at another woman with sexual longing. He just made a covenant with his eyes. You know what this means? This means you must never buy in to the worldly teaching that says, it's okay to look as long as you don't. Don't buy it. David, don't buy it. Nope, that's not elevated living. Elevated living says, wait a minute, I'm going to put a hedge around my eyes. I'm going to make sure that my eyes are only focused within that covenant relationship of marriage. That my eyes, when it comes to my sexual longings, are going to stay in the elevated place that God designed them to be. And you just got to make that covenant with your eyes. You got to make that covenant that Job makes and says, listen, I'm just going to stay there. Not going to let that happen. Now, for some of us, because this is real life and, and, and this is the continuing of mind, feelings, and actions, right? For some of us, we need even more drastic things than that because this is something we, we, we struggle with. We really struggle with. And for some of us, we need to go to that next level. That next level is what Jesus captures with this statement saying, And if your right hand serves as a trap to ensnare you or is an occasion for you to stumble in sin, Cut it off. Cast it out from you. It's better that you lose one of your members than that your entire body be cast into hell. What's he calling us to do? Sometimes you've got to get radical. If this is going on in your life, if this is happening in your life, listen, you've got to get radical about this. Don't underestimate the power. You've got to get radical. If there's somebody in your work and your eyes are starting to focus there and your mind is starting already to wander there and your feelings are already down that path, you need to go to another department, change jobs. You need to do something radical. 
You need to take that stand and say, I've got to elevate my life to a different place and get out of that place and get out of that opportunity. If you're going down in the basement all the time into your office and you're turning on the computer and you're watching stuff you shouldn't be watching, get a filter. Pay for it. Go out and get a filter. Put it on your computer. Put that hedge around it and say, I know God doesn't want me to do that. I know God doesn't want me to live there. I know that's destructive behavior to my marriage. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to cut it out. I'm going to cut it off. For some of us, it is the reality that we just need to take some drastic steps that are radical to make sure we stay in the right place, in the elevated place of where God wants us to be. If you look at Genesis 39, it's the experience that Joseph had with Potiphar's wife, right? It says, one day, Joseph went into the house to take uh, care of his duties. None of the family servants were inside. Potiphar's wife grabbed hold of him by the coat. Now, this is not meaning she grabbed him by the neck, right? She grabbed hold of him by the coat. Make love to me, she said. But he left his coat in her hand, and he ran out of the house buck naked. Okay? What is he doing? He is fleeing. He is taking a radical step of just running away. He is fleeing from the temptation. I mean, some of us, we just need to do that. We, we just need to get convicted today and say, listen, I'm already going in the wrong direction, and I want to elevate my life. I want my life to be where God wants it to be, and I just need to run away from this stuff. And, and I need to put the things in place in my life to make sure that I have this hedge around me, that I stay in that right place. Timothy, First Timothy, Paul says, but you are a man of God. Run away from all those things. Try hard to do what is right and godly. Have faith, love, and gentleness. Hold on to what you believe. You see, I believe it. I believe that God wants more from your life. I believe that God's got you here to do incredible things for the cause of the kingdom of heaven. I absolutely believe that. And I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross so that if you've been captured by this stuff, if you've been captured by this already, that he can free you from this and he can forgive you for this and he can get your life and your marriage and your relationships in the place they need to be. If you're ready to take the radical step that just says, it's no longer about me. I'm going to give my life to Christ completely. I'm going to give it charge of everything. I'm going to surrender this to Christ and take that radical step. And, and why do that? Because if you don't do that, guys, there's such tremendous consequences. Jesus catches it two times in each of the statements. He says, it's better to lose one of your members than your whole body be cast into hell. And the word there is Gehenna. Gehenna was a dump outside Jerusalem. And, and it was filthy and it was smelly and it, and it had smoldering fires going all the time. Jesus is trying to give you an image that says, listen, if you follow this path, if you get captured by this, this sexuality culture of the world, that's what's ahead. That, that's the pain that you're going to experience. So just wise up. It wise up and, and, and look at the pain that you're entering into if you walk in that road. And instead, take the stand today. Take it right now when you come to the altar today and say, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to follow this anymore. I'm going to live for Christ because I know he died so that I could have a better life. And just receive Christ and the power to overcome this challenge in your life. Just take the radical step that says, Jesus is Lord even of this. Right? And when you do that... You start building into your life a right-mindedness, a right-mindedness. It says, shun youthful lusts and flee from them and aim at and pursue 
righteousness, all that is virtuous and good, right living, conformity to the will of God in thought, word, and deed, and aim at and pursue faith, love, and peace, harmony, and concord with others in fellowship with all Christians who call upon the Lord with a pure heart. You see, that's where we are. Elevated living is putting these hedges around ourselves when it comes to our sexuality so that we keep our minds in this place. We keep our minds so full of the possibility of what God can do and is doing in our life that there's no room for our minds and our eyes and our thoughts and our feelings to wander anywhere else. You see, it's to be captured, to be captured by a desire that's even greater than your sexuality desire. It is the desire to be the person God wants you to be, the desire to accomplish that eternal consequence of being an impact person in the kingdom of heaven for the cause of Jesus Christ. And there is nothing greater than being captured by the desire that Jesus Christ has for you. Listen, it's real stuff. That's why we're talking about it. We may wish Jesus didn't say it, but he did. And he said it because he's thinking about each one of us. And he knows, he knows that he's ready to die to forgive us for all the things we've failed in this area too. But he also died so that our lives can be better. So we can elevate and live the pure life he wants us to live. Let's pray. Father, thanks. Thanks for not, uh, not uh, just limiting it, but thinking about us and, and saying even the hard stuff. For being willing to just uh, be in our face sometimes about uh, how we fail and uh, offering us the opportunity to have that new life, to elevate our life. So, Lord, we just pray today that uh, we take this seriously now and that we'd receive this word and uh, that we could put that hedge around our eyes and our mind and our thoughts and our feelings and that we could take radical steps if we need to. But most of all, that we could let uh, our life be about you, be captured by your desire for us. So put us in that right place, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.